couple smiles. I need, come on, y'all. I need a couple smiles this morning, okay? My son was like, we're not sleeping tonight. We're gonna have a party. And I was like, can we please get some sleep? And he was like, no way. So um, I need a couple smiles. I need everyone's eyes to be bright open, okay? I had a couple announcements. Five o'clock, it's going to be here. We are having a catered dinner and we're having a special guest speaker, which is Miss Susan Todd. I'm really excited to listen to her and listen to what she has to say. Now, they are selling tickets in the foyer after service today. It's $15. So if you haven't bought your ticket yet, please, please, please buy us one our connection cards hopefully you should have gotten one whenever you came in this morning uh, it literally says connection card it, it asks for your name your email your phone number okay um, and also has prayer requests on the back so if you are someone new today if you're here new today all right go ahead and fill out that connection card okay and you're gonna turn it in. also if you have any prayer requests please fill that out and you may turn it into the bucket just put your name on it we want to pray for you all right who's ready for worship I'm ready for worship y'all I'm ready for worship I hope you are let's worship God we love him we love his praise let's go y'all come on let's stand up again and worship Jesus here we go that's completely up to you.
been great. The things he has done for me, I could have never done myself. That's why I don't mind saying, God, how great you are. Over and over and over. Come on, let's say it. My God, my God, how great you are. How great, how great you are. My God, how great you are. How great for you in your lifetime. My God, you are. Can't make it without you, Lord. My God, my God, how great you
every time I get to that part, speak Jesus for my family. Come on, you know what? I grew up in a Pentecostal home, you know, all my life. But there are things going on in my family right now. Come on, I need Jesus to intervene. I need Jesus to move. I need Jesus to break the bonds off of some people. It says to remember the presence of God's life. But the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you understand me? He doesn't want to necessarily take away your house and your car. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to destroy your effectiveness. That's what he wants to do. If he can keep you silent and keep you quiet about telling other people about Jesus, if he can keep you glued to your seat and not worship, he's winning. Come on, we don't want that, right? Addictions, come on, you need to speak Jesus. I still the praise team all the time when we're singing these songs to target those praises. What does that mean? That's nothing weird. When you're singing this stuff, think about those people in your life that need Jesus. Think about those people that need addictions broken off of them. Think about those people that need healing. Come on and just worship Jesus while you're believing for it. Amen. Come on, that's what we need to do. Going through or dealing with anything in this song that we talked about. I want to encourage you to make your way to this altar and just worship Jesus. People don't need to lay hands on you. You just need to worship Jesus. Amen. And believe that God is going to do it. Amen. Come on, let's go to two. I just want. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Come on, till every dark declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Come on, say it again. Say that again. Come on. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Yes. Till every dark addiction starts to break in the name of freedom. I speak Jesus. Why? Because your name is power. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is love. Lord, we speak life. We speak life. Break every stronghold. Your name, tell it. Your name is Stronghold shine through the shadows. Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, come on everywhere. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Come on, Jesus for my family. Yes, I speak the holy name. Jesus, come on, say it like you made it. And Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name. Jesus. Yeah, come on, shout it again. Shout Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name. Your name is power. Burn like a fire. Do it, God. Do it, Lord. Your name. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Yes, you are, Lord. Your name 
Addiction starts to break in the name of Jesus. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Come on, say it again, say it again, say it again. I just Till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. Jesus. Come on, your name is power. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Yes, it is, Jesus. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Come on, some of you is getting it. Some of you is getting that boldness in you. Come on. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the, Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name, Jesus. Come on, let's say it like you mean it and believe it. Come on. Shout Jesus, Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every end. Speak the holy name, Jesus. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus, your name is power. Your name is power. Your name, your name is healing. 
you guys. It is now time to start getting your tithes and offerings ready. But while we do that, Brother Kenny wants to share a testimony. Something little going on with my foot. And, you know, the doctor didn't give me any, you know, tell me it could be healed. Or, but he just said like, compression socks and never did that. But um, just want to encourage you that I, even though I'm in a wheelchair and you might not see me healed, my foot is healed. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus. We speak the name. Say it again. Jesus. 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 Y'all, let's hear some praise. Let's hear it. Come on. For what he's doing. For what he's already done. For what he's leading us to. What he's leading us through. Jesus, no other name is worthy of our love. No other name is worthy of our devotion. Jesus. Y'all, I feel some power. Oh, my gosh. I feel power in this place today. Oh, Lord Jesus. Woo, Jesus. I feel a new passion. I feel a new boldness. Woo. How great you are. Oh, Miss Pat, will you please pull up that passage we're changing things up with our offering. From now on, we'll be reading a small passage together, and then we will enter our time of giving. Will you please read with me? We'll all sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that in abundance for every good work. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Praise God, you may give. over there at the back left exit children's church may be dismissed Praise God, praise God. Brother Doug Wooten, it is amazing to see you this morning. We love you. Praise God, we love you. We are so happy you are here with us today. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see every single one of you. My gosh, is there anything you can even say after that? I think we can just go home, honestly. I don't, I just want to, yeah, say Jesus. There you go. I want to remind us of our resurrection seed offering that's coming up. It's the big offering we give. Um, every Easter, we do not have a designated um, assignment for that money yet, but I want to I want to share a vision with y'all that our council has, and I think it's pretty amazing. And so y'all know that activity center, all that space we have back there. Their vision is to turn that into a community center with after-school programs, with walking trails for parents, put in a brand new playground. Y'all, they have a beautiful vision. I would have never had that vision for that space back there. 
But y'all, your counsel is seeking the Lord. They're leading us in a direction. And so I'm thinking that resurrection seed offering may go to that purpose because I don't want to be a church that talks about it. I want to be a church. I don't want to sit here for five years talking about, oh, for what he wants you to give. That's really our, our big offering of the year that we give. Just seek God on it, all right? I'm not going to be like, y'all are called to give this. No, just seek the Lord. He'll, he'll speak to you. He'll tell you exactly what it is. I've had some inquiries on our Coolit project, which was our AC units. Praise God. We've got majority of them fixed, y'all. We stepped out on faith on that one, and God just answered every single prayer. Every, y'all, he does it every single time. Every single time. And so we have one unit left that we really need to replace. Um, it's right here uh, in the hallway over there. It's, that, it's what uh, cools all the offices in that, in that area. So it's kind of a necessity with summertime coming, um, but we're going to need 7000 for that one. We have money, praise God. He's, but if anyone feels like you want to give towards the Coolit Project, we need 7000 for that cost. So praise the Lord for that. I mentioned um, last Sunday that we were going to, y'all remember I talked about our, uh, the link prayer guide for the IPHC to pray over missions. And remember I told y'all we were going to pray through uh, day seven together as a church family. Do y'all know it's insane? Nothing is by coincidence. Do you know what country is on day seven? I had absolutely no idea. Y'all, God works that way for specific purposes. So that means we as a people today are going to cry out on behalf of the people of Ukraine in that situation on the behalf of NATO and America on the response that God would give us wisdom on what to do, that the Lord would spare us war. But if he does take us into a time of war, that we would rely on his power, on his of times to come. So for those of us who stayed awake, like scripture says, we kind of saw the signs of the times and we're preparing our hearts for what we were going to go through. But the, re- the region for day seven is um, Eurasia and Middle East. I'm not even going to try to um, pronounce some of these nations, but it's uh, in front of you guys. So one of these to pray through is 31 days of prayer. It goes day by day, different regions and missionaries. But y'all, this is what the region is praying for. Expanded evangelism by our national churches in all the Eurasian and Middle Eastern countries. Church planting to increase across our entire region. Y'all, these are directly from the missionaries. These are directly from the missionaries. The Lord to raise up more national missionaries to take the baton. Y'all, a lot of our missionaries are aging. We need young people to be willing to go. And last, I added my own bullet point, safety in time of war. Will you please stand with me as we pray? The missionaries over in those regions right now, it's Bob and Carol Cave, the Gutierrez, the Jansons, Justin Long, Sean, and Katie, and protection over our brothers and sisters overseas. God, I pray we would not take our comforts and our comforts and our conveniences for granted, that we are a blessed nation, so let us bless the other nations. But Lord God, let your people truly cry out on behalf of our brothers and sisters overseas. In this time of unrest where people are being displaced, people are becoming refugees, and our brothers and sisters overseas to stand. I pray that they would stand to the very last for the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves to the uttermost. Lord God, I just pray you would empower them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus, you promised you would give us the Holy Spirit and power. So right now I pray a power to raise up in them, a boldness to raise up in them. But God, I pray peace. 
over moms and dads who are having to leave their children behind. I pray for moms who don't know how they're going to feed their babies. I pray for dads who are having to go to war to defend their country. And God, I don't pray that Putin would die. I pray Putin would get saved. I pray that the Russian military would realize this is not worth it. It's not worth it. We don't want this. We want peace. Lord God, I pray there, there would be a, a military that we would pray for peace over minds and hearts. I pray for the Russian soldiers. Jesus, I pray you would visit them in their dreams as you have been in the Middle East. Visit them because once you see Jesus, you are changed forever. So right now, Lord, I pray you would visit them in their dreams. I pray you would visit the highest generals in their dreams. Speak to them. Show them the gospel. Show them the border and put a love they can't explain. When they go to pull that trigger, I pray they can't. I pray something in them pulls them back, that there's an inner longing to love and not hate God. I pray peace right now in the name of Jesus. I pray peace and strength to the pastors in the Ukraine who have stayed behind to guard the flock. To We as Americans would stand by them, that we would go to prayer on their behalf every single day, God. That the world is so much bigger than America. Don't let our worldviews be tonal vision, God, but let us see them, Lord God. Give the missionaries who are over there the wisdom. Lord God, give them the networking. God, we seek your, y'all, just, just pray out loud. Come on, pray. Come on, y'all can't just be me. Pray. Pray in the spirit if you speak in the spirit. Come on now. Pray, God. We seek you, Father. Oh, Father. Lord God, I pray that a mighty evangelist right now, that we would see hundreds and thousands of souls saved by the gospel, that in the midst of hopelessness, there would be a man or woman who would arise giving hope, preaching the gospel, showing that there is a better way, showing that there is no fear in perfect love. God, let them feel your perfect love. Raise up people to preach the gospel to those. Let them stand, Lord God. Holy Spirit, comfort them and be their helper as you promised you would be. You promised you would be with us forever. You promised us that you would give us comfort. You promised that you would be our helper. You promised God, give them comfort in their minds, in their spirits, God. Comfort the moms with little ones. Comfort the daddies with babies, God. Comfort them. Help them, God. You said you would bring everything to our remembrance. The Christians over there, God, bring back these passages to their mind. When they're in a place of turmoil and despair, God, just give them hope. Jesus, you are our living hope. God, we can't even imagine what they're going through, but God, just put a burden in our heart of passion to pray for them daily, for them with prayer. An ancient proverb says a person that prays covers with, with a wall stronger than any iron fortress. So God, we pray protection and provision over our brothers and our sisters. Put an iron wall of, of a hedge of protection around them, God. That the children of God, God, if war is to come, give us, give us the peace to stand. Oh, Father God, this may be the biggest war this world has ever seen. God, give us the peace to stand. Give us the, the resolve to be disciples in the hardest of times because the world needs us. The world needs hope. The world needs the disciples of Jesus to stand up and to speak hope and life and truth. Father God, I rebuke chaos in the name of Jesus. 
as just as Jesus spoke to the storm, he said, peace, be still. I speak peace, be still over the chaos. Chaos in minds, chaos in families, chaos in nations, chaos in governmental leadership. I speak peace. Chaos has no room in this place. Chaos has no room in, in a disciple of Jesus. But we would be followers. That we would choose you every single day, Lord God. Father God, if war is to come, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds. Father, give us resolve. Holy Spirit, empower us. God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we need our own. Life is about to get a lot harder. God, help us. Help us, Father. Don't let us be like those who followed Jesus and turned away when things got hard, but let us be like the disciples. Let's be like those who followed. Father God, we pray this in your mighty, mighty name. Amen. The world is changing before our very eyes. Day by day, something else is changing. It's, there's no more normal. The life, the life we knew uh, three short years ago in 2019, y'all, it's not coming back. Things are shifting. The only thing coming back is Jesus. Amen. From COVID to civil unrest, medical unrest to actual war, which is looking like it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And I know I sound like a Debbie Downer, but today, y'all, we have to get somewhere. There's a place we... we oh, yeah. We need a praise break, apparently. <laughs> Lord needed some encouragement in that moment. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Need a praise break. We've got to be like the old Pentecostal holy rollers. About mm -hmm. to get shouting in here. Somebody jumping seats and stuff. Now, if y'all jump seats, I'm going to be impressed by your athleticism, honestly. Somebody give that person a trophy. <laughs> but I was planning on speaking today. I had it done on Friday. I was like, yeah, I got it done. And Friday night, the Lord, y'all... And listen, I'm not one of those people like, oh, God spoke to me every day of my life. No, it's not like that. I don't hear his voice audibly. I've only heard it about twice audibly in my whole life. Um, but I felt him in my spirit. He said, don't cheapen this message. So this one message is going to be about six weeks, honestly, going into discipleship. Y'all, we had a fantastic leadership meeting for this church yesterday, which lasted about three hours, which you only last about one. So God really moved in that meaning of giving us new creativity and ideas for this church. But... I stayed and I got my sermon done by about six. And then guess what happened on my way home? He changed it up. And so I was up until about me and tell me what to say and creating a new PowerPoint, which is frustrating because I put a lot of work into the first PowerPoint. And so I was like, Jesus, you can't make nothing easy for me, can you? I'm a disciple. I just do what he says. Um, but then I uh, got to bed around 1.15 and my son woke up at 1.30 and I gave him a bottle, but then he decided, no, he wasn't going back to sleep. As my wife said, I literally cannot anymore. I said, please take him. I can't. I was about to, I was about to fall over or something, pass out. Um, so y'all bear with me as the Lord is giving me energy. Um, but I believe that the enemy, y'all, I believe the enemy don't want us to speak what needs to be spoken. He doesn't want people having breakthrough. He doesn't want people going deeper in their, in their walk with Jesus. He doesn't want that. And so today I'm just going to be faithful to, because it was 1 a.m. So Lord Jesus, help me make it make sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Many people may believe in Jesus, uh, even though the statistics are going down. I shared last week that only 33% of Christians attend church. And that's not even a weekly basis. That could just be holidays. It's just like, if you've ever been to church, yeah, I've been to church and, you know, I go. You know how people are. It's about 33%. So while many people may and the gospel, but I want to talk to you about something very specific that is going to propel us into the next couple of weeks. And it's one of the most essential words in the Bible, disciple. And today we're going to be talking about going from a believer to the next level being a disciple. Y'all, there are levels to this race. There are levels of following. And that's why Paul talks about milk compared to solid foods, because we're going in the direction of purely solids. We're, we're, We're weaning off. We're weaning off of the milk, and we're going to the purely solid. So first, let's, let's get some working definitions. Uh, and praise God for believers. Who believes in here? Who believes? Praise God. Praise God for believers. There's no bashing. Praise the Lord. A believer, someone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and believes he was exactly who he said he was. Praise God. I believe that with my entire heart. Hey, I may not have a lot of things going for me, but I do got energy and passion and belief. Lord Jesus, thank you. Disciple. A disciple is someone who follows the thumbs like the master. Discipleship in the Christian sense is the process of making someone become like Christ. The disciple of Christ is to become like Christ in everything. Will you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10? Because, y'all, we, get, we got to lay exactly a disciple, but we get of groundwork before we get into what I really want to talk about. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 and we all stand as is the the custom here in Crossroads as we honor the word of God and I'm gonna actually have y'all stand a couple times so get ready. Do a little bit of stretching whatever you gotta do. Ephesians chapter 2 starting in verse 8. For by grace you have of God anyone should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus Four good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thank you, God, for your word. Amen. You may be seated. So I, I first want to say this is you can be a believer and be saved without ever can be saved by the grace of God and never truly follow. It is by grace through faith we are saved. You can have faith and never truly follow. Your following does not save you. Your following does not save you. There is nothing we could do. Praise God, because if it was up to me, I definitely would not be saved. Your following does not save you, or it would be Bible and the Bible only. Give me some examples. I love examples. Let's do some. The criminal on the cross. One was condemning, one was begging for forgiveness, and Jesus said, not me, Jesus said, surely today you will be with me in paradise. The criminal never followed, but he was saved Let's talk about the, this, the Samaritans. When the woman from the well says any Samaritans followed, but they believed. You can be a believer and never truly follow. His grace is that amazing. Y'all, the grace of God is beyond anything we could ever imagine. I just know in my own life what I've done, what I've been through. The grace of God is insurmountable. We can't even grasp it fully with human mind. A disciple. And so in the modern American church, I don't think we necessarily fully understand what a biblical, historical disciple was. So we're going to get a little bit of historical context. My hermeneutics professor always said, context is king. 
And context without the text is a con. And I don't want to be, I want to be lying up in here, y'all. We need to know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Historically, in the days of Jesus, a person would follow one rabbi, which was a teacher. And y'all, honestly, what we would call an influencer today, what kids follow on social media, they were influencers. They taught, they led people, modeled their lives after them. Until the rabbi felt the student or the disciple was equal or greater to himself, listen to this, then he would send the disciple out to do the very same thing. The disciple would only follow, I need y'all to hear this about a disciple, the disciple would only follow his rabbi. If the disciple was following, he would only follow his rabbi. He would only be taught by his rabbi unless his rabbi brought in a guest speaker or something of that nature. In other words, the rabbi was the main influence in the disciple's life. When Jesus called the fisherman, the tax collector, the zealot, when he called these guys to follow him, they knew exactly what he meant. It meant devoting their lives to his influence. They knew Jesus as a rabbi before they knew him as Messiah. No confusion or false pretenses with Jesus. Peter and everyone else knew that Jesus meant when he said follow, it was a call to give their lives and everything in it over to his teachings, his ways, and his commands. Y'all, oftentimes I feel like, even myself, I never studied properly enough, deep enough into this. Well, I thought it was crazy for people just to follow, but they knew saying there was no false pretenses with Jesus. What did disciples do? To be a disciple was to follow, it was to watch, it was to listen, and it was to do. To be a disciple was to follow, to watch, to listen, and to do. The disciples, they followed Jesus. They went where he went. They were constantly in the atmosphere he created. I love that. They were constantly on holy ground because wherever Jesus treads is holy ground. They followed him to the sinners and the poor. They followed him to the uttermost. They watched Jesus. They saw him preach. They saw him go to the lost. They saw him heal and deliver. They saw his love. They saw his compassion. They saw him go to the pariah of society that no one else wanted. They saw him go to the women who were caught in adultery. They saw him go to the woman at the well. They saw him go to the leper and embrace him when no one would even get near him. They watched Jesus. They saw his compassion. They saw his love. They saw his humility. They saw his power. They saw God. They listened to Jesus. They heard the gospel. They heard the news of the kingdom. They heard the message of love, the message of hope. They heard the truth and life. They heard the greatest rabbi to ever live. The words of the Messiah transformed them from the inside out. They had ears to hear. They did what Jesus did. He sent them and gave them authority and boldness to do exactly what he did. They went exactly where they saw him go. They said what they heard him say. They did exactly what he did. So now that we know that a disciple is someone whose goal is to be just like Jesus, and now that we know a disciple follows, watches, listens, and does of following Jesus. 
If you would turn to Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 30, sorry, 23 through 26. We're going to have two passages in Luke and one in John. And if you would stand with me, I told you I was going to have y'all doing a little workout today. Verses 23 through 26. Then he said to them all, this is the New King James, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. Our next passage is just five chapters over, Luke chapter 14. This is where we're going to really look into today. And it's a longer passage, so bear with me. But y'all, as you read, let this seep into your souls. Starting in verse 25, we're going to go verse 35 to the chapter, end of the chapter. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. I want to say verses 34 and 35, even though they have a break right there in most Bibles, the way the Bible was constructed, it doesn't have breaks. This is one continuous thought. It's specific why Jesus says this. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Our last passage is John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. I promise we're going somewhere today, so we need, we need these. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. This is the reality and standard of following Jesus. John chapter 15, starting in verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. Remember the word. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. You may be seated. You may be seated. To believe costs us nothing. You can be a secret believer your whole life and no one would ever know. We have examples of Nicodemus, the Pharisee, 
who believed in Jesus. He even helped bury Jesus. Spent tons of money on the burial garments and materials, but he was never an open, outward believer, follower of Jesus. To believe costs nothing to you. Jesus paid the price. It's by grace we are saved, but to follow could cost you everything. Discipleship is costly. Somebody say that. Discipleship is costly. Say it one more time. One more time. Repetition is key. Discipleship is costly. Let's, let's take a deeper look into Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. I love how Jesus never makes it easy. Don't you love that about Jesus? He, he never makes it easy. Every time in Scripture a massive group gathered to follow him, he would challenge them in one way or another to see who was serious about following. And I pray this message today challenges me. I pray it challenges you. I pray we all choose to follow Jesus deeper today. In verse 25, you can follow along, and I'm going to expound a little bit on each verse. Verse 25, Jesus looks to the massive crowd, and he knows not all are truly following him. Even if they believe he is the Messiah, and he challenges them. So verse 26 can look really harsh. Jesus says, hate your father, hate your mother, hate your wife, hate your children, hate your brothers, hate your sisters. And people are like, dang, Jesus, you just hate everybody. <laughs> Jesus is obviously not being literal here. Okay, Jesus is not being literal. What he is saying is this. He is saying a disciple's love should be so big and so deep for him that love for anything else in comparison looks like hate. That is how much we should love him. We should love him so big and so deep that love for anything else in comparison looks like hate. That's how big, that's how deep we should love him. He is saying devotion to himself should far surpass anything else we have in this life. Devotion to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So Jesus does not want you to hate your family. He wants you to love him so big and so deeply nothing compares to the amount of love you have for him. Verse 27, Jesus talks about picking up our cross and following. Those who were following him thought that he was marching to start an empire. They thought this was the Messiah who was coming to reclaim the land of Israel for the Israelites. He was coming to defeat the Romans. He was amassing an army. This is what they thought about Jesus. This was their idea of the Messiah. But in the most vivid way possible, we have to understand about ancient Israelite literature and the way they spoke. They used the most vivid, most vivid metaphors and phrases to show the point. Jesus tells them that the people who choose to follow him are not on the way to power and glory, but must be ready for a loyalty which would sacrifice the dearest things in life and for a suffering which would be like the agony of a person upon a cross. He uses the most horrible form of torture, the cross, to emphasize how much you should be willing to stay loyal and faithful to him, that it, it may even lead you to the cross. And this is the reality and standard of Jesus, that it's not easy and discipleship is costly. So Jesus uses the sign of the cross the ultimate example of surrender, sacrifice, and suffering to say what it would be to follow him. Wow, Jesus, I really want to follow you now. 
Verses 28 through 33 are a simple question and a statement. And it's this, it's count the cost. It's count the cost. So I want to ask you today, what are you willing to give up to truly follow Jesus? What are you willing to leave behind to follow his lead? Would you give up everything for Jesus? And for me, y'all, I tried to do things my own way for a really, really long time. And you know how it turned out every single time? It was a disaster. So whenever I decided to follow, truly follow, every time before I started a new job, even before I started a relationship with my now wife, I gave it to Jesus. I'm telling you all right now, I give everything to Jesus. Before I start, I give it to Jesus. Before I started dating my now wife, I said, Jesus, if you want me to break up with this woman, tell me I will do it. I gave everything to Jesus, and I still do. What are you willing to give to Jesus in order to follow? Jesus warns against trying to follow without first counting the cost. Jesus says, don't be gung-ho in your following. Jesus says, analyze yourself. Be introspective before you follow. He says, you will look foolish when you turn back from the task. Many have turned back. Maybe you were one of these who turned back, but can I tell you, it's never too late to follow. You may be one of the ones that were following in the crowd and when Jesus gave the message of what it meant to follow, maybe you turned away. Maybe you fled when things got hard. But can I tell you, he does not condemn you. And he will not turn you away if you choose to follow. In order to be a disciple, you have to give up. Y'all, I'm telling you right now, to be not to be a believer, in order to be a disciple, you have to give up anything that would hinder your, your following of Jesus. Anything that would hinder you and slow you down from staying in step with the, with the leading of Jesus, you have to give it up. As a disciple, listen, it is impossible to compartmentalize your life when you are a follower of Jesus. Because when you're just a believer, guess what? He's just another thought. He's on par with the other beliefs you have. You may be a, a Republican or Democrat. This is why politics have gotten into the church. Because Jesus has just become another belief. So if Jesus is just a belief to you, he may be on par with a bunch of other things you believe. But when you follow, he is your life. When you follow, everything is through the lens of Jesus. When you watch, guess what? You're watching through the, the lens of Jesus. When you follow, you are following the footsteps of Jesus. When you listen, you are hearing Jesus. And when you do, you are doing exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was very intentional to add uh, verses 34 and 35. And this is the question. He talks about the salt. Let me ask you, are you useful? Are you walking in purpose? Jesus gives a clear warning here. Salt had three uses. I've preached on this in the past. Salt had three uses in the ancient world. Three uses. Number one, it was a preservative slash cleansing agent. I want to ask you, do you set the standard in your circle? Do people know what you stand for? Do you speak against lies and stand for the truth? Do you set the atmosphere wherever you go? Are you useful? 
Number two, it was used for flavoring. And y'all, I'm so tired of boring, dead old church. We were meant to bring flavor to the world. Do you bring flavor to life? Are you kind? Are you nice? Are you helpful? Are you thoughtful? Do you have courage? Do people look up to you? Are you loving towards those who hurt you? Are you the type of person people want to be around? We as Christians are meant to bring flavor to life, to set the standard of joy and happiness. It starts with us. Number three, it was used for the land. It was, it was used to make, to make it easier for all good things to grow in the land. So this is the question I have for you. This is probably the most crucial one right here. Do you make it easier for people to be good and harder for people to be bad? Do people want to do better? Do people want to be better? Do people see Jesus when they look at you? Y'all, even sinners did not sin in the midst of Jesus. Or do you make it easier for people to be bad? Do you play in? Do you, are you um, an enabler? Do you enable the habits or do you stand firm of this? When I walk into the room, does the atmosphere get better or does it get worse? Am I bitter? Am I hateful? Am I mean? Am I arrogant? Or am I the type of person when I walk into the room, people smile? Do people want to be around me? And Jesus says that if a Christian is not doing any of these things, then they are inviting disaster. Can I tell you, if you are not walking in your purpose, you are inviting disaster. God has a very specific purpose for your life that when you choose to follow, he leads you in the path he always had for you. The path that was laid out before you, before you were even formed in your purpose, you are inviting disaster. This is a clear warning from Jesus. And he says, if you are as this salt, then you have lost your usefulness. And I want to say this, they who have an ear to hear, let them hear. Let it convict your heart. Let it speak to your soul. Let it show you. And he shows us and exposes us to the things we must give up for Jesus. In this passage, if you look clearly enough, it's truly a representative of believers and followers. You have the massive crowd who was there and they were believers. But once Jesus said these hard things, they stopped following. They aren't mentioned again, turned away and followed Jesus no more. But the disciples, the followers stayed. They knew the cost, but they stayed. Why did they stay? <laughs> because these are the disciples, the ones that followed, the ones that watched, the ones that listened and did. Disciples, Jesus. They don't watch what the world is doing because they're watching Jesus. They don't listen to the voices in the world. They listen to Jesus. They don't conform to what the world does. They conform to Jesus. So when the crowd looked and Jesus said these, what seemed to be these insurmountable things in the crowd, I was like, I can't do that. I believe you're the Messiah, but the direction you're going, I cannot follow. It's because they did not follow Jesus. They did not watch Jesus. They did not listen to Jesus. They did not do what Jesus did to be a disciple of Jesus requires sacrifice and surrender. Y'all, sometimes it's a really hard road to follow. And y'all, I love Jesus because Jesus did not downplay it. He did not water it down, but in America we do. 
His message was not a message and it was not a life of convenience and comforts, which is where we usually find ourselves in modern day. Discipleship is completely countercultural. I want you to write that down. Discipleship is completely countercultural. Because once you, y'all, I'm telling you, some of you in this room have not chosen to fully follow. But listen, once you follow, I'm telling you this right now. When you are a disciple, your life is not even about you. That's the hardest part is to get over yourself. The hard, I'm telling you right now, the hardest part to follow Jesus is getting over yourself. It's no longer about you. It's about your Messiah. It's about your rabbi. It's about your king. It's about King Jesus. It's not about you. So you'd be like, oh my gosh, Pastor Josiah, you are not making it sound very easy to follow Jesus. It's not, but can I tell you, it's so beautiful. There's so much beauty in following Jesus. Can I tell you, there is redemption in following Jesus. I believed for a long time, but I ran so hard. I ran so hard, y'all. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. But one day I said, I'm tired of believing. I'm actually going to do what the Bible says, and I'm going to follow. And redemption came into my life. I was addicted to sex. I was addicted to pornography. I was doing drugs. I was drinking. I was, I was the classic college kid, man. I was going absolutely crazy. But when I decided to follow Jesus, I'm not talking about, I just said, yeah, I believe I'm going to go to church. No, y'all, this is not a Sunday morning religion. When I chose to follow Jesus, there was a redemption that came into my life. He restored me. He restored me to my family. My relationship with my parents was horrible. Me and my mom are best friends now. He restored my family. He restored my purity. Praise God, he restored my purity. I am no longer kept in bondage to sex and lust, but I am a freed man. There is redemption in following Jesus. Y'all about to have me preaching in here. There is freedom in following Jesus. You can come in this room every day of your life, sit in a chair and be stuck in bondage. You can be stuck in sin, but when you follow Jesus... He is the chain breaker. He is the way maker. He is, oh my Jesus. Y'all, there is freedom. I was growing up in a society that tells you what your identity is. There is identity in following Jesus. You were always called to follow Jesus. Your purpose, don't tell him it's your sexuality. Don't let him tell you it's your gender. You are a child of God, created by the creator in his image to stand, to preach. You are not worthless. You are not nasty. God has called you to be a disciple. There is identity in following Jesus. There is purpose in following Jesus. Every day is an adventure. When you walk in purpose, y'all, I've been challenging people to share the gospel and a whole bunch of different random people. I said, praise God, there is purpose. Every day has purpose when you walk with Jesus. Every moment that seems mundane can be intentional. You can share the gospel. You can witness. You can pray. mm, Y'all, there is purpose in following Jesus. Your mundane job you may hate may be the most wondrous, adventurous thing when you choose to purpose when you follow Jesus. Jesus. And can I tell you, for this generation that is so far away from Jesus, it's because no one has revealed their purpose to them. When your purpose is revealed to you, everything changes. You're no longer just wondrously and aimlessly floating out in the cosmos. No, you are given identity. You are told who you are. Some of y'all need to start speaking into the young people in your lives. You know, the problem in the modern church is we never taught our kids who they were. We said, oh, Jesus, 
Tell your children who they are. Fearfully, wonderfully made. You are beautiful in the eyes of God. When you live in purpose, Scripture tells us you are perfect in the eyes of God when you live according to your purpose. Not that you never sin again, but when you live according to your purpose, oh boy, you are perfect in the eyes of God. Tell them what their purpose is and then tell them they're perfect. They're living because you are pushing them away from Jesus. Don't condemn them. Reveal them what their purpose is. Speak life into them, man. They were created for so much more than what they're living for. Y'all, that generation is the most passionate generation I have ever seen. They just have misguided passion. Y'all, if we redirect that passion, plug it into the true vine, oh my gosh, y'all, transform for the gospel. March 26th, guess what? I'm putting on an event called Activate Youth Experience. Through that youth experience, I'm expecting lives to be changed. I'm expecting teachers to get saved. I'm expecting principals to get saved. I'm expecting school board members to get saved. I'm expecting this crowd to get pushed out of our schools. I'm expecting prayer to get back into schools. Oh my goodness, y'all, I am Some of y'all need to praise. I'm telling you right now, dream big again. Dream big again. Nothing is too big for God. It says nothing is impossible with God. Y'all, the church got to dream big again. Dang, y'all got me preaching. Y'all can get me in trouble over here. Jesus promises to those who follow him in the midst of persecution, in the midst of hardships. Jesus, Jesus says this. He says, I'll give you my Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, 15 through 16. If you love me, Keep my commands. Disciples, I'm telling you right now, in a culture that hates the commands of Christ, keep the commands of Christ. And I will pray the Father, is the Lord, that he may abide with you forever. Please, y'all, just look. Selah, sit and ponder. Pause and ponder that real quick. Praise God. He said forever. Every situation, every circumstance, everything. He is with you forever. Jesus promises something we all need. He promises peace. Mm, peace. Speak the name of Jesus. Peace. G 14 verse 27 says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Find peace in this world. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your heart, sorry, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Come on, y'all. We need some boldness and some hearts today. In hearts today. He promised he would give us wisdom. Luke 21, verse 15. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Y'all, that's a problem. Oh I need to read. Some of y'all need that because in your life you have people speaking against you. In your life you have people coming against you. It may be in your families. It may be in your workplace. It may be mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or or resist. Speak wisdom. Mm, Lord Jesus, he promised he would give you that mouth. Stop speaking death with that mouth. Speak wisdom. Stop corrupting what God gave you. He promised knowledge. John 14, 26. But the helper, the hope, bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Stop being afraid when you go to share the gospel. He will give you the words to speak. You have the very spirit of God inside of you. Do not think he knows the gospel. He is the author of the gospel. Speak. Do not be afraid. Yo, we can no longer be afraid as Christians. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Jesus is saying everything I have told you. Perfect love cast out all fear. Mm. He promised us truth. 
John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Scripture tells us he will lead us into all truth and he will teach us all truth. You need to know what to do in a situation. Pray that he shows you the truth. You, you, got, you got conflicting voices in your ear. Get with the father. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. The Holy Spirit is the literal spirit of truth. Y'all, it's time we stop seeking, seeking the voices of the world and just seek the voice of the Father. Mm. Ha. He promises us union. Mm. Y'all know I preached on union for almost three months. He promises us not relationship. We're not stuck in the friend zone. It's marriage. It's a covenant. Union. I don't just know Jesus. I'm one with Jesus. John 14, 20, y'all, oh, I got, mm, about to preach again. At that day, you will know that, listen, and I in you. Oh boy, I'm telling you, the bride getting ready. While the world is freaking out, the bride is getting ready. Mm. He promised us power. We talked about this power last week. It's the power, the empowerment that he gives for every single situation and every single need. This is the power that covers everything. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witness of the earth. Jesus promised that even though we may go through hardships, that even though we will, y'all, he said, if you are a disciple, you will face persecution of some kind. He promised that even in the midst of the chaos of the world around us, he promised us in everything, he would empower us to be victorious over all because he is victorious over all. Do not fear, he says, I have overcome the world. Hard days are coming, y'all. I'm telling you right now, I sense it in my spirit. China is about to make a move on Taiwan, which is just going to make things even harder. Y'all, I do believe in my spirit there's about to be a war. I pray to God there is not, but I feel it in my spirit. It seems to be inevitable. Unless God somehow just moves in the mightiest way we haven't seen since literally the Old Testament, I don't see how it's going to change. I'm trying to prepare you guys. Those who will stand are the ones who follow Jesus. Because where Jesus is, there is peace there's power and there's purpose. There's peace in the midst of chaos. There's power in the midst of weakness and hopelessness. And there's purpose in a world that is just running all willy-nilly. Those who follow Jesus will thrive and grow even amidst the chaos because they are connected to the true bar and evergreen. Prosperous in any climate. My favorite passage in the entire Bible, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8. I've been standing on this passage for three years, and it's taken me through the hardest points in my life. Jeremiah, I want you all to write this down because you all need to ponder it this week. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8 says this. Blessed, ha <laughs> blessed, see this, and whose hope is, whoo. Not who has a little bit of hope in Jesus. Not who just kind of hopes Jesus will be there. It says, whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the river. Who I need y'all to see this. And will not fear when heat comes. Will not fear when war comes. Will not fear when civil unrest comes. Will not fear when political unrest comes. Will not fear when people come against you. There is no fear in perfect love. And will not fear when heat comes. Ooh, listen, but its leaf will be green. 
and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Some of y'all have stopped yielding fruit. It's time that Jesus becomes your hope again. It is time to grow again. It is time to have fruit again. Y'all, it is time for you to be fruitful again. I'm about to have some of y'all want to slap me in a second. Jesus is not looking for perfect disciples. He's looking for fat disciples. Now some of y'all are awake. Y'all like, what you talking about? Hey, I'm on track. Y'all keep feeding the best and the brightest. But he is looking for the faithful, the available, and the teachable. He's looking for those who are going to stand and follow him even when it makes no sense. He's looking for those who are available. What does that mean? Not you're just kind of sitting there and you can. No, you are readying yourself. You are available. You are saying, Lord, I am available. Send to me. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? The deepest desire is to follow Jesus. Y'all, I'm one of those people. <laughs> and the teachable. There are a lot of people in the modern church who are not teachable. We've been in the church so long, we think we've heard it all. Jesus is looking for teachable. Can I tell you, every time I read the Gospels, he teaches me something new. We're growing because the Gospel is a journey. Just as you grow in natural marriage, you grow in your union with Jesus. Being a disciple is not a Sunday morning tradition or religion. Being a disciple is a daily choice. You are to be a daily disciple. Monday through Sunday, it's a lifestyle. Some religious folks again, but Jesus even calls sinners to follow him. For those who think they're too holy to be around sinners, you might not want to be here. Jesus called me when I was a sinner. Lord, never let it be so to us that we forget what it was. Jesus is looking for the humble and the real. We're a real church of real people. We're not hyper-spiritual in this house. We read the Bible, we believe it, and we put it into practice. He's looking for the humble and the real. He's looking for those who will sacrifice the comforts of his leading. Can I tell you, when you surrender all things to his leading, even if they get taken away, it's a lot easier because your hope was not in those things. When you realize that everything is from him in the first place, you stop holding on so tightly to things. He giveth and he taketh away. Y'all know what's beautiful about this? The fishermen would have stayed fishermen if, fishermen if they would have rejected the call to follow, but look what happened. Look what happened when they accept the call to follow Jesus. Their lives were changed and the world was changed forever because they simply answered the call to follow. These weren't the, these weren't the highest or the brightest or the best. These, these, were, these were your blue-collar guys. These were the rough and gritty sinners even when Peter meets Jesus. There's so much redemption in following Jesus. I just want to read the quick story of Peter because it's one of, it's one of my favorite redemption stories in the Bible because it gives me hope for someone like me who's not perfect, who has failed while being a follower of Jesus. And that to know Jesus, we're thankful for the grace of Jesus. That he sees our human frailty and still loves us. John chapter 21, starting in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said, Simon Peter, this is after Jesus has been raised from the dead and he comes back and he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know. And saying, 
I want you to be in ministry. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, three times forgiveness for three times failure. Every time you fail, the Lord is extending forgiveness to you. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out. Then he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. By what death he would glorify God. Can I tell you, when you suffer for Jesus, it glorifies God. When you suffer for Jesus, it glorifies God. So instead of in our suffering, let's not wail and cry, but let's sing praises to God. It's the song of the martyrs. When he follow me, he said, follow me. For those of you who believe on the name of Jesus, but do not follow because you believe what you did can never be forgiven, that is a lie from the enemy. His call to you to follow has never changed. I don't care what you've done or who you've been with or what you've seen and what you've heard. Don't let that enemy, the lie of the enemy, get into your ear and tell you there's no way you could ever be good enough to follow. None of us are good enough to follow. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's all Jesus. It's always been Jesus, and it will always be Jesus. Jesus' command has not changed. There is redemption in following Jesus. He makes all things new. For those like me, I'm 25, man. I'm still figuring this thing out most days. I fail a lot. But the glory and grace of God extends to me every day of my life. His mercies are new every single morning. Your failure does not disqualify you. I need you all to hear that. Those of you who struggle with condemnation, Romans 8 one says, there, there's now there with Christ Jesus. Let him free you. Let him lead you into the new. Your failures do not disqualify you. They actually usually make you more usable. God is drawn to your brokenness because he's the only one who can fix the problem. Four main characteristics of a disciple. We're going into our characteristics of a disciple and how everything else falls and flows in these main categories and characteristics. Number one, disciples are worshipers. Privately and publicly attributing worth to God. Listen, worship is attributing worth to God. It's not a Sunday morning playlist. It's an everyday lifestyle. From Sunday morning worship to Monday, attribute worship to God wherever we are. John 4, chapter 23 through 24 says this, But the hour is coming, and now is, now is, when the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit. Is They are worshipers. They are servants, serving in the church through volunteering and leading, as well as serving in our communities. Can I tell you, that's been one of the major downfalls of the local American churches. We have not served in our communities. We've done events, but we have not done ministry. We've gave people free food, but we haven't given them the gospel. More than that, we didn't just teach them. We never walked alongside them. We just partnered with the real church who has a church to the homeless in downtown Columbia. 
We're going to be giving to them monthly, but y'all, we're going to be doing ministry with them. And every single Wednesday morning, I'll be down there doing a Bible study with them. And I'm so sick and tired of just talking. I want to do. I'm so sick and tired of just reading the Bible. I want to live. Servants putting others before themselves. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says this, For even the Son of Man, this is one of my favorite passages, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know why disciples are servants? Because they watched Jesus. They watched how he lived. Jesus was a servant. The king of kings was to serve humanity. Number three, disciples are students. Yeah, some of us struggle with that. Disciples are students studying the word of God and practically living it out. Practice makes perfect. I don't care how much scripture you can quote if, you're, if your life shows no fruit. If that scripture is not seeping down into your heart, into your soul, how many verses you can quote, I do not care. Being a student is not just studying Bible. It's living out the message of Jesus. Not just students of the word, but students of his way. John 8, 31 through 32 says, Those who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Some of y'all are stuck in bondage, you just need to read your Bible. Some of you have been denying one of the most crucial steps in being a student. Y'all, I'm not telling you to read 10 chapters a day. Read one parable of Jesus and let it wreck you completely. Read one chapter in a gospel. Let it wreck you completely. And last but not least is what I preached on last week. We are witnesses living out the gospel, showing how Jesus radically changed you and sharing the gospel by talking about the goodness and mercy of God and the story of Jesus. I never share the gospel by condemning people to hell. And I never try to scare people into loving Jesus, but I always love people into loving Jesus. God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that through him, the world might be saved. Preach the love of Jesus. People are struggling. People see enough hate every day of their lives. Stop throwing hell in their faces. Hell is real and it is horrifying, but don't preach hell to him. Preach Jesus. Hell is not going to change them. Jesus is. I'm telling you right now, give them hope. Acts 1.8. I already read this passage, but I'm going to read it again. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Before Jesus ever said, believe in me, he said, follow me. Because when you follow Jesus, you can't help but to believe. I need you all to hear that again. Before Jesus ever said, believe in me, he said, follow me. He was the evidence. He's the image of the invisible God. Because when you follow Jesus, you can't help but to believe. Y'all have seen too much not to believe. When I started following Jesus, I've seen too much. I've seen too many miracles. I've seen too many wonders. I've seen too many lives redeemed not to believe. It's impossible, I already said this, but I'll say it again. It's impossible to compartmentalize your life when you follow Jesus. We have a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, who this is just a Sunday morning thing, aside a lot of other hobbies and activities. But when you choose to follow Jesus, he's no longer an option. He is the only option. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the, he is the life. And he's the only way to the Father who is in heaven.
when you become a disciple, wherever you go, you are following him. Whatever you watch, you are watching him. Whatever you hear, you are hearing him. Whatever you do, you are doing because you learned it from him. This is what disciples do. The first and last command Jesus ever gave Peter was, follow me. It stays the same forever. And he's saying that to every single person in this room. He never stops saying, follow me. It never stops. I don't care what you've done, where you go, no matter what, Jesus is always extending the hand to pull you out of the muck and the mire. And he's saying, follow me. He's saying, I have a better way. In the midst of a world of comparisons, y'all, comparison is a killer of discipleship. I'll tell you right now. When you compare yourself to me and I compare myself to you, we're not doing anyone any good. Comparison is a killer amidst the world of distractions when everything wants to pull you away from Jesus. Everything. Those little handy-dandy cell phones we have that could distract you to about 0.1 seconds, everything is drawing away from Jesus. Everything you see on TV, unless it's The Chosen. Anyone ever watch The Chosen? I'm just saying I love that show. Y'all, we have to be careful what we're doing, what we're watching, where we're going, and what we are hearing. In the midst of a world of seductions. Can I tell you, there is a very seductive spirit in America. Did you know that I believe it is 71% of lead pastors are actively watching pornography? And I believe it's 83% of actual males in America are watching pornography. But not just that, the numbers are rising with females as well. I believe it's 71% now. We live in a world of seduction. Things are seducing you away from Jesus because it feels good, because it looks good. But can I tell you, sin leads to death. We live in a world where it is almost impossible to follow Jesus. But Jesus' command still stands the same, and he's calling out to each one of us, follow me. So my question for every single one of you in here today, will you follow? Will you follow I want to open the altar where y'all do I speak Jesus again and one of the main things a disciple does is worships and I want us to end our time together before we leave with worship and I want you to search your hearts because I'm opening the altar for disciples and for those who are taking the next step to be a disciple and we are moving forward and we are going to worship as disciples do Your name is God. 
precious, precious name, that name Jesus. There is no sweeter name than that name Jesus. It is at that name that every demon in hell must run. It is at that name that every affliction, every depression, every piece of anxiety must flee. It is at no other name that but the name of Jesus. And I think sometimes we forget who we really serve. I think sometimes we forget who you really are. You are bought with a price. You were paid in full by that name, Jesus. You're not a mistake. You're not here by accident. You're not some piece of crap. You are a child of God, of lords. He is the ancient of days. He is the one who breathed life into you. He is the one that when you get to walk through those pearly gates, he says, welcome in, my child. I've been waiting on you. He is the one who knows who you are. He knows your pains. He knows what you're going through. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus can make all that better. He makes peace and he brings joy into your life. Don't ever, don't ever forget who you serve. Jesus Christ, we just want to thank you today for allowing us to be in your presence. God, we thank you today that you allow us to serve you. God, thank you for choosing us this day, Father God. Thank you, oh Lord, that anxiety must leave. Depression must leave. Afflictions must leave at your name, Father God. And we thank you for allowing us today to walk into your presence, to be in your presence, and not just here, but as we walk out that door, the very residue of your Holy Spirit will be resting upon us this day that we, people that we come in contact with each and every day, we will change their lives because of your presence radiating through us. Now, God, I pray and ask today that each and every person as they walk out of this house today, 
the anointing be resting upon them so heavily that they cannot wait to witness to someone. That they cannot wait to invite someone to church. That they cannot wait to tell someone what Jesus has done in their life. So God, I pray and ask today that you will bless them indeed, Father God. Bless them beyond their wildest dreams. Enlarge their territories. Keep your hand of protection about them. Father God, keep them from evil that it harm them not. And let every two, let everywhere they go, let every person they come in contact with, let their life give you praise, glory, and honor. And the church said, amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. We love you guys. We thank you guys for being with us here today. If you are a first-time guest, I hope you got a connection card. If you did not, come see me, Pastor Betty. Y'all, there's food in our outreach pantry, so please go. We love you guys. By the way, small groups for me tonight, 6 o'clock. Y'all be there.